Hello and welcome to episode 21 of My Freelance Life, a podcast from the team here at Milo.co. I am Preston, and with me on the air today, as always, is my good friend Andy. How are you doing, Andy? Hello, hello. It's good to talk to you again, man. Uh, For those of you listening, if you have heard the show before, you know that Andy quit his job to start working for himself full time. And this show is a weekly check in or mostly weekly check in, I should say, between me and Andy to see what really happens when you decide to start freelancing full time. You'll find show notes for this episode and all other episodes at FreelanceLifePodcast.com. You can also catch up with the show there. And this episode is brought to you by our premium client hunting service called Solid Gigs. When you sign up for Solid Gigs, you'll receive a weekly list of freelance gigs from some of the best companies in the world. We're talking about companies like Dribbble, WordPress, Etsy, Trello, Yelp, BuzzFeed, Fitbit, tons more uh, big companies like that, and and also dozens and dozens of small and medium-sized companies hiring contractors and paying them fairly. Instead of wasting hours each week hunting through thousands of online freelance job listings, let our team do the work for you, freeing you up to spend more time doing the work you love most and billing your clients for it, of course. You can learn more about Solid Gigs at freelancelifepodcast.com slash gigs. And uh, you can get your first gig list 100% free if you use that particular link. Again, that's freelancelifepodcast.com slash gigs. Okay, let's dive in to this episode today. Andy, it has been actually a couple weeks since we last talked, so I think there's a lot to catch up on, but how are you doing, man? Yeah, I'm I'm doing well, thanks. It's been a an interesting last while, kind of roller coastery. Has it been? Why is that? I've just been um I just haven't done much <laughs> on on freelance stuff as much as I should. I I mean, I was working on there are some some cool or interesting elements to talk about. Um, I did this like, oh gosh, I started maybe a month ago, uh, a project outside of Upwork that I did for my father-in-law's company. I don't think we've talked about that at all yet. Wow. So this um, is like, is this like your first gig outside of Upwork? Um, uh, Technically not, but it was like, maybe the first substantial one. Cool. I've, I've, the only things I've done outside of Upwork have been for family. Well, up to that point, I've now done one for a friend. So I've done a couple of things just that people have known what I do or someone says, Oh, Andy's good at this thing, you know, have him ask him about it. So that was a, a cool thing. But aside from that, like I kind of have had a, just a very quiet time and it's of my own making not for lack of work and but then just yesterday or was it two days ago yeah two days ago I had uh, a cool new thing to talk about so we can discuss that but I don't want to get too long-winded on just your first question there (laughs) okay I want to I want to dive into that but I feel like before we can I feel like we we owe ourselves a, a quick um, uh, caveat, I guess, on our last episode. Because after we got off the air on our last episode, I have here in my notes that after we got off the air, we were like, uh, did we just tell everybody not to raise their rates and to not charge more and to not 
you know, oh, get yeah. paid what they're worth and all of that sort of thing, which is not what we believe in. But but if you remember last episode, we ended with this whole like, you know, don't don't be so greedy that you you can't get any clients and you go out of business and you have to get a job again, which I still agree with. But I think what we didn't present was the other side of it. So I guess maybe I wanted to give us both a fair shot here to, to sort of present the other side of it, which is that we do believe in raising your rates. We do believe in charging what you're worth. We do believe that that is the best way to grow your freelance business is to increase your rates regularly. I don't know. What what do you want to say more about that? I, I think also to say that it's we 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 both believe. I would imagine that we we think that you are quite possibly not aware of how much you can charge, and that you oh, can yeah. only find that out by trying it, and maybe even trying a dramatic increase and in seeing if people will still go for it. Because you can always come back down if you have to, right? And, mm-hmm. and yeah. to your point, yeah, you you don't know what people are willing to pay until you try it. Yeah, in fact, I mean, that's one thing we can keep talking about today is because I have uh, new projects going or about to go that are on a rate that I was not necessarily anticipating a year ago, but then I just tried it for the heck of it and people still go for it. Yeah, I mean, is there any pushback from, I guess, have you seen as you've raised your rates you haven't seen a huge decline in in requests or or have you seen fewer requests but they're higher quality or or what changes have you seen yeah well i i don't know that i've seen fewer requests it's it's hard to say because i've had i've um let's see finalized fewer deals because I've had other projects to work on, so I didn't need to pursue them as much. My profile just says that I'm I'm interested in hearing possibilities, but it doesn't say like, yes, I'm available for 30 hours a week or whatever. So there's a bunch of other things that would affect what I'm seeing. But that being said, I still get invited to um, make a proposal on a job fairly frequently and Though, I mean, it's hard to say if some of the people who don't end up hiring me, even after that stage, are doing it because of the of, of my rate. But I do have some specific anecdotes that, you know, inform what's going on. And one of them is that, and we did talk about this one before, that there was somebody who wanted to hire me, but then said they they had someone else who was able to do it at a lower price. And so we had to negotiate back and forth and they did have like an upper limit. And so I did go down and meet him there because it was still great. I don't know. Yeah. We, we discussed that for a week or two, I think deciding what was the best thing to do. So there's that. So there's one example of maybe um, it was a little high for at least some of the market, but another example, and this is the one that just happened a couple of days ago is that, um, I had a new gig come through and I, I looked him up and it was a, a fairly sizable company out in Texas. And uh, I just made my proposal like normal and then started talking with them. And I talked on the phone with them just a couple days ago. And I remember, I, so just again, to refresh, if people aren't here, my rate now is at 
what, I mean, I had keep kept bumping up my rates over the first half year of freelancing till I got to a, a fairly comfortable spot. And I was like, Hey, this is cool. And I thought I would still move it up, but, um, this is right before we went to on our trip to Europe. And so I just bumped it up, almost doubled, literally almost doubled the, <laughs> right. my rate and I left it there and I haven't changed it since. And so I haven't landed a ton of clients because I keep working on old stuff or some um, stuff off of Upwork or or whatever the case may be, or f- a few fixed price things. But anyway, um, so this is where my rate is at now, nearly double what I was already thinking was a cool hourly rate. And so I'm talking on the phone with this with this client from Texas and um we go through a few things just talking about the logistics of the project and if I would be able to be able to do it. And then they, they said, so what was, what was your hourly rate? And I kind of, there's this moment when people ask that when I like get self-conscious, self-conscious for a second. And I kind of like stop and I'm like, should I play it down? And then like, (laughs) Oh, well I, you know, I do, I do. And instead I like, that happens for a second. And then I decide, no, I have to just like own it and make it sound like it's the most normal thing. So I was like, right. yeah, it's this. And he, and he was like, okay, cool. And, um, and then he just went on, kept on talking and he was like, all right, well, I think, I think you're definitely the guy for this. So, you know, take a couple hours and when you can and, and look over the, the spreadsheets we'll send you and, get just to get familiar with them. And I was like, well, this, this is the kind of client I want that one, he didn't even, you know, bat an eye at the rate I had proposed. And then at the beginning, he's just like, yeah, take a couple hours and get familiar with the sheet. Like that already is excellent that he's not that worried about timing. Right. Yeah. And then they, later on, they said, he said, you know, we might want somebody here to work with us. So, we may want to bring you down to San Antonio for a few days. And he's like, would you be interested nice. or would you be able to do that? And I was like, I think I, I'm definitely uh, able to work with you and scheduling that. And I kind of said something <laughs> maybe right. less than a little more casual the sentence I've made. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so I don't know if that's a result of, I don't think I have enough examples to say if this is all because of my rate but I would definitely say that this seems like it's going to be what people would call a very high quality client, someone who's who's willing to pay for quality and they recognize that that those often do come together. So yeah, maybe it's it's not that it came from me charging more, that they were more attracted to to me, or just the fact that, you know, it was a lucky meeting of client and freelancer. But but it's a good yeah, it's a good lesson in keeping in mind that you really do if you bring value, you know, a lot of times people are willing to pay for that value. They have problems that need solved. And if you can solve those problems for them and you seem like the right guy for it. I mean, it was interesting that he said, like, you seem like the right guy, not you seem like the right rate, right? He rate, yeah. you know, cost yeah. was secondary to him. He wanted to find first and foremost the right person to work with who knew what they were talking about, who was good to work with, who, you know, said and had the right answers for the questions they had and things like that. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a good a big part of it. In fact, in fact, probably the the biggest part of it. And it's something that I that I 
feel I do well and I and I try to do well is that when I'm talking to people, whether writing to them or talking on the phone with them, that I'm that I'm easy to talk to because I'm in a, a technical area. And if you just talk to um, any old programmer, some of them will be able to communicate technical ideas efficiently to the lay person and, and others may not. And so I tried to make sure that I can communicate and teach well and understand what they're really after and translate that back and forth from the technical side so that they can see, oh, this is what you're going to get out of this instead of, you know, rambling on about overly technical things. I love that. Uh, It it sort of reminds me, so uh, we have another podcast um, for listeners. If you want to check it out, you can find it at freelancetofounder.com. But the show is called Freelance to Founder, obviously. And uh, in in that podcast, it's a little bit more narrative, less interview style. But we tell the stories of freelancers who have sort of scaled their business to be bigger than themselves. And and we did an episode with uh, Chris Doe. And Chris is a designer, but he runs... Uh, an agency, um, a creative agency, a branding sort of logo design and branding agency. And he does really well and he's really popular. And what one thing that he said in that episode, which I thought was really fascinating, was so many – and he was talking about designers, but I think this could go for freelancers of all kinds, including, including you, Andy, um, or I guess maybe more technical uh, skill sets like yours – so many people sort of show up to a client meeting or interact with a client and just kind of show them what they have available. Like we, you know, I think Chris said something like, you know, we have forks and we have knives and we have spoons or something. Uh, <laughs> and, and here's what they cost. And, and so many times we present our work that way. Like I write articles and they are $50 an article or I design logos and they are a thousand dollars a logo. But instead, like he said, they don't, they don't sell it as sort of a commodity or, or a, or a finished product. Instead they sell like the process and, and, you know, here's why you want to work with us. Here's why we work better than other, you know, branding agencies. Here's, here's why, Mm. uh, you know, here are the thought processes that go into the work that we will deliver to you at the end. And, and here's, here's why the, the whole experience is going to be better for you. And uh, so, so a little bit, what you were saying reminded me of that, where, you know, they're not only paying for, yes, of course you deliver a fantastic product at the end. Right. And you know what you're talking about. I know what you're doing, but also, like, um, you, you communicate well, you, you're able to dissect these highly technical problems into sort of lay speak. Uh, and, and, you know, for some clients also, speaking fluent English or native English uh, and being in their yeah. time zone, like there's all these sort of extra things that clients really are paying for when they hire a freelancer. Yeah, I think... That all those are what I mean. Yeah, some people just need something done, and right, they're yeah. willing to deal with maybe a a, a less smooth uh, process to get there. Or it might be that there are people out there that don't realize how nice it could be, and they're just they just think, <laughs> "I want to hire a freelancer. It's going to be not not as as easy as working with." Uh, the people here in my office, it might be a little tougher, but at least I get a cheaper rate out of it or, or something like that. I think a lot of times people like, it's nice when you can display it, you can display what you're offering to people, to, to clients as, as a solution. Like, instead of just like, I like that. We don't, we have forks and knives and spoons and this is what they cost, but you're saying, 
you recognize here's what your problem is and I'm, I'm selling you the solution to that. So I'm selling you um, less time spent on tedious work or I'm selling you, you know, the opportunity, this is stuff for me anyway, I'm selling you the ability to make all of your data entry more consistent because we're building a good system that um, helps reduce user error or whatever the case may be. I'm, I'm sure you could think of that with um, design or or writing things as well, that you're, you're selling them a voice, like a solution that, that creates a good, a good voice and a good image for the company or whatever the case may be. Yeah. And even on top of that, like, like maybe you're selling them a solution to whatever the problem is, but in a way that I can just present the problem and then let you work for a couple of weeks without bothering me. And then the solution will be solved. Like Mm -hmm. so many people will pay for that. They're so busy and so, and, and don't want to be in the weeds of the problem. They just want to hire someone to solve the problem. And in a couple of weeks, get back to me with great, with a great solution, you know? So I think there's so many levels of what you're actually paying for that it, that it actually lends itself to this idea of raising your rates because yeah, if you're just buying a fork, of course you just compete on price with everybody else who's selling a fork. But um, I can't actually think of what the what the rest of the analogy would be for a fork necessarily. But I guess if you're selling like <laughs> ways to eat food, then now you're competing with uh, lots of other options. So it, you're selling instead of selling a fork, you're selling clean fingers at the end of a meal. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That you don't have to. It's so much easier, and you don't have to deal with this thing that you used to have to deal with. Yeah, and now all of a sudden, so this comes back to. I'm a huge fan of. There's this uh, marketing uh, framework called Jobs to Be Done, where you think about it this way, and 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 all of a sudden now a fork doesn't compete with all the other forks in the world. A fork competes with um, like the wrapper of a hamburger. Now you can eat your hamburger and not get your hands messy. Uh And, and so now it's like, uh, now you're not just competing against other utensils either. Maybe you're, maybe you're competing now against a, a a wet nap after you eat barbecue. Like (laughs) there's, there's, it it can go so many directions and I don't want to get too deep into this weird analogy with a fork because it's maybe not the best one, but you're selling way more than I guess the initial thing is, is the moral of the story. You're selling way more than, than what's listed like in the job description. Yeah, I think I, yeah, I agree with all that. All right. So what else has been going on? I know. So I have to ask, I just have to ask, we missed our recording last week uh, because at like, I don't even remember, like like five in the morning or something, you texted me and you were like, "Uh, I've been up all night and I can't get up and record. Is that okay? Actually, you were way more nice about it, but I was like, yes, of course, sleep in, recover. Was that for work? Uh, I guess if it wasn't, we can cut this little segment out. But were you were you working all night? Uh, and and maybe tell well, me more about that. Um, half and half. I I was needing to finish a project for the next morning or whatever. I'd said that I would have it ready. Come to find out, just like yesterday, I found out that that deadline wasn't as necessary because the meeting that I was preparing it for for this person got postponed. Oh no! But Anyway, I, I had a deadline regardless of what happened yeah. on their side of things. I had a deadline to meet and I had to finish up all these adjustments to uh, a, prod, a system I'd made for this client. And I did end up working 
a fair bit into the night like that to five, five-ish or whatever, which would be like 7 a.m. on on the East Coast, which is where the client was. So I was basically trying to finish it before they started work that day. But I can't, I can't claim that that was all, that was all just me like gung ho blazing through the work all <laughs> right, night long. Yeah. I, I think what it, I probably got home from uh, the play rehearsal for the show I'm in, and then which would have been late anyway. And then I just kind of like sat around for a few hours and and just was like watching a show or something. And then I got to work. So like it was, it was my own. My own fault, of course, but I did end up pushing through and, and getting it all done in, in time. But I can't say that that was like, oh, this is just, this is the difficult world of freelancing where you just sometimes <laughs> have to stay up all night. Nah, you, I, w- I didn't have to, but that's the situation I found myself in. You just chose to do it that way. Yeah, which I mean, there's... There's that flexibility thing we always talk about that, hey, at least I had the option. Maybe I made a poor decision with my with my sleep cycle, but be, yeah, that that's how it went down. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so so I guess maybe the last thing I want to chat about today, unless you have anything else you want to share, is I want to circle back to this idea from the from the top of the show where you said you were working on um, a non upwork project that was pretty significant. And we, we sort of we sort yeah. of went past it, but but maybe tell us about that, and then tell us if you're trying to parlay this into any sort of non upwork uh, opportunity. Meaning, you know, are you are you going to try to do a lot more work outside of upwork, or was this kind of a one time thing, or what do you what do you think in that way? Well, yeah, I and I want to talk about this this job as well because it was different than all the rest. So. Um, they came to me with, or so it, it's my father-in-law. So we were just sitting around once with the family talking and I feel like this is how it started anyway. And, um, or maybe I wasn't there the one time, but he was talking with my wife and, and she was like, Oh, and he could probably help you with that. So what they needed was, um, for a trade show for his, the company he works for, they needed to turn a couple of iPads into like a kiosk setup so that they could have them there to show to people visiting the booth, yeah. you know, and to, you know, those sorts yeah, of setups. Sure. And there are, there are apps out there that allow you to do this, that you can kind of create a kiosk experience on an iPad and then you just run that app the whole time. And basically they, they just wanted me to, set that up for them and didn't know exactly what form that would take. And so I listened to it, found out what it was they needed, um, asked him a bunch of questions about it. And what I realized was that the main thing is they just needed something that was incredibly simple, really. Like it was not a very complex setup. It wasn't a very complex interface. Um, They needed to be able to play a video and show some slides and whatnot. And so I I took this project on. I've never made a an iOS app ever, and um, and so like when I first started knowing that it was a possibility, I basically started taking a tutorial of or like going through a tutorial of how to make an iPad <laughs> app or an nice. iPhone app. And 
I, I've done this before. I haven't done it so much recently, but especially in the early days of my freelancing, I would take on projects within what I usually do, Google Apps Script and whatnot, for things that I had not yet done. And I did that, I mean, fairly frequently. And I would just look up and learn enough to know if it was possible. Well, it was assumed that it was a possible, but I would I would look up enough to know that I knew that I could have the resources to learn how to do it. This is part kind of dangerous, but I felt I I could make it work. So, and then in the process of doing this job, I would learn something new and then feel comfortable and be able to easily market myself doing it in the future. So, Anyway, I did the same thing here where I looked it up. I went through a couple tutorials to see like, oh, can I do this aspect of what they need done? Can I do this aspect? And I felt like, okay, I have the resources here. I just need to implement it in the way that they want it. And so I took the job. And like I said, there were some other, there are some apps built that allow you to build your own like kiosk interface. And so part of it, they said, um, my father-in-law said, like, if you can make one of these work, that's fine. Like, it doesn't matter to me necessarily how long it takes you to do it. Like, we'll still pay the same, even though it wasn't, it was kind of like having a fixed price project, but it was also structured in an hourly sort of way. But at the end of the day, like, he he had told me, you know, we took this to a, to a design, not a design agency, I guess, but like... Uh, a development agency or something got a quote for them and it was just way more than we could do. And so I was still able to charge like a great rate. In fact, it was technically like my, my pre France, you know, double the rate rate. And, and they were still able to get a really good deal because they were hiring me and, and he was fine with that though. You know, I wasn't a full on development agency. Anyway, I should cut to the chase here. So I ended up taking on this project and it was really interesting because I got to learn a lot of new things that I don't usually do. I felt that I had enough knowledge going into it that I could make it work. And indeed it did work eventually though, like I said before, this can be a dangerous thing to do. And there were a couple scary moments where I just could not get it to work like I wanted to. And uh, I did end up not using one of the other apps, but building them an app fresh from the from scratch and because it offered what they needed just a little more uh, conveniently. Anyway, I made this. It was scary, even like in the last few hours because they had to get me iPads and I had to install the apps on them because you don't go through the app right, store yeah. when it's like a uh-huh. development app like this. And uh, anyway... It was scary because at the last minute I loaded them on and it didn't work. Like, <laughs> so you're like the, the video wouldn't play. The app worked fine. Yeah, I was trying to, and this is where it gets difficult. This is where experience is incredibly valuable because yes, I knew like I had gone through tutorials. I knew that I could learn how to make a video play. But what I didn't have, which someone with experience would have, is the long experience debugging something and being able to spot what's going on. And I was I was sitting there and I thought, I don't even know necessarily where to start to figure out why this isn't working. Because it worked when I ran it on a simulator on my computer. And but luckily, like this is just part of the 
programmer's mindset, I suppose, is that I, I started, you know, trying different things and I was able to narrow down what wasn't working and why it wouldn't work on the iPads. And it had to do with the video file was either too large or encoded uh, yeah. in a way that the app didn't like. So I was able to call on a couple of friends who helped me in this 11th hour and uh, we were able to get it to work. And so, I, I mean, I was able to pull this off, but I also had a lot of help doing it because these friends that helped me who knew video very well and were able to get the video in a format that worked right. And um, I also uh, had a friend who put me in touch with uh, a guy he knows who teaches iOS development. And this guy, I don't know him at all, but I emailed him, asked him some questions, and he was incredibly generous with his time writing back to me and helping me uh, solve a couple things. And also some questions that I had about if it would even be possible the way I had envisioned. And so luckily I had, you know, these great people that helped me, but um, we were able to make it work, was able to get it delivered and it was all, it all worked well. I think I just gave maybe too long a description than was necessary. (laughs) And I didn't even get to the actual questions you had. I was just telling the story of, no, I think that's great. I guess I'm wondering now, like, are you, are you, hoping to offer are you still hoping to offer uh, app development as a service now or are you sort of i don't know did was it too much i think um i would definitely enjoy doing it and the nice thing with this is when you're developing for ios you um to get in like full on as a developer you have to pay a hundred dollars a year and so I've never felt like oh, I'm just going to go do that out of the blue. But now I kind of wrapped that in my mind into the project nice, price. Yeah. So I just assumed what they paid me, I made a hundred less. That's how I imagine it. And then I, since I already had to pay for that for the year. So now I have, um, you know, a year's worth of, of membership or whatever to the, to the, to be able to publish to the app store and whatever, um, or build for businesses. And I want to take advantage of it. I, I am incredibly amateur still, but the same way I started with um, what I normally do, the Google Apps script work, uh, oh yeah, like a year ago, I want to kind of start out, take very, very simple projects that I know I can do and occasionally add on something that's a little more involved and, and build as I go, as well as just building some things on my own to learn. But yeah, I think it's something I want to do. I'm not going to like pursue it aggressively because I have plenty to keep me busy, but I'm definitely open to that and and would be interested in learning more about it because it is it was really fun. I love to it. Make. A couple of key takeaways for me at least uh is what you said just now like I love that you have the option to pursue it and you don't have to ask anyone's permission, right? And and um and also like if it doesn't work out after a few months of trying it if you just decide yeah this just really isn't for me that first project was fun but you know it's not really for me you don't have to continue with it either or you might realize that you love it way more than what you're doing now and that might be what you do moving forward and you don't have to ask a boss and you don't have to ask coworkers you don't have to create a plan like that has to be approved by a board like there's there's none of that you can just sort of yeah. Pivot, try something, pivot back or pivot completely away from what you're doing now. You have the flexibility to do that. And I feel like a broken record because I feel like every show I just praise the flexibility of working for yourself and of freelancing. But I think that's yet another example of 
of how that can be a real benefit to, you know, pursuing work you actually care about, work you're passionate about, work you enjoy. Um, so, so I think that's awesome. And then the, the other thing that it was sort of in the beginning of the story was, um, how you were able to still charge a great rate and yet save the client, your father-in-law money because they, uh, chose you instead of an agency. And I, you know, that comes back to our conversation from earlier. That's yet another thing that they are willing to pay for is pay you better to actually save money with a, with an agency, which is bloated with, you know, HR costs and, and all, all sorts of extra costs overhead, keeping the lights on at their agency or whatever that you don't have those costs. And so you, you know, could they have maybe done the job better or faster or, or fancier in some way? Probably. But at the end of the day, like you're, they're actually paying you to do the job in a way a freelancer does it. So I thought that was a cool way to tie in what we had talked about before. Yeah. And I think you're right that I'm sure they would have done it better and, and it maybe would have been a bit more fancy, but that wasn't what they actually right, yeah. needed the most. What they needed the most was something that got the job done. And obviously they wanted to pay yeah. less than what they had been. Yeah. And, so far. and yet, like you said, it was still a great uh, rate for you. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that was good. I, I would love to do more stuff out of Upwork. I think that was oh, one yeah, of your yeah. original questions as well. That I, I enjoy doing that. I mean, I, I don't have... I, yeah, I, I don't know that I feel strongly one way or the other. Cause if I'm getting plenty of good work through Upwork, I, I'm not like itching to, yeah. to do stuff outside of it, but I'm totally open to it. And I like, you know, when I get word of mouth referrals or, or whatever. And in the long run, it would be nice to do more outside of Upwork if I can ask the same rate and, and find people who are willing to pay it because of the Upwork fees. But for the time being, I'm, I'm not like uh, really anxious to get out there and and start bringing in clients outside of Upwork because there's a lot of logistical things that come along with that. And I kind of like not having to worry about those that with Upwork, they take care of all the handling and the billing and the invoicing. And I just get, you know, the payments every week. And so I'm totally open to it and I like that idea, but I'm not, I'm not like, you know, it could be really interesting. It's been a few episodes since we really talked in depth about your experience with Upwork. And I think it, Upwork gets a really bad uh, bad rep with some people. And I wonder if uh, it's worth talking about some of those benefits. Not, not maybe for a full episode, but maybe an episode down the road we could talk about. Because like, I had never thought about that. Like, There's tons of benefit. Not There's the obvious benefit, which is they bring a whole marketplace of, of potential clients to you. But then there's lots of other benefits, too. Um, so maybe another episode we can dive into that. But I think we'll wrap up today's episode if that's all right with you, Andy. Great. All right. Well, yeah. I, uh, I'm looking forward to chatting again soon. It was really nice to catch up. Thank you, man. Indeed. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. So before we jump off the air, just a reminder to the listeners that uh, show notes for this episode and all other episodes can be found at FreelanceLifePodcast.com. And uh, this episode is brought to you by Solid Gigs, which is our uh, client hunting or gig hunting service here at Milo. Every week we send you a gig list packed full of great freelance gigs from fantastic companies. You can learn more at freelancelifepodcast.com slash 
gigs. My Freelance Life, which is this podcast, is a production of Milo.co. You can learn more about us and listen to our other podcasts like Freelance to Founder, which I mentioned earlier in the show at millo.co slash podcasts. This show was edited by our friend Danny Gilman at Echopod Media. Thank you, Danny. You can learn more about Danny and his work at echopodmedia.com. Theme music for this show is a song by Joaquim Carud called Road Trip, which I just love. And we'll talk to you next time on episode 22 of My Freelance Life. See you later.